Throughout a lot of Christian history, a profession of faith in Jesus has been one of the foundations of being a true Christian. This idea of being saved is an idea that we certainly are familiar with, but one that is based in a theological idea, and we as Episcopalians tend to kind of lean into that theological idea. Saved from what? Saved from ourselves and selfishness, saved to be able to serve the world, saved to be able to love like God loves us, not quite saved like some of our brothers and sisters may use that term. Now, when I think of being saved, I often think of televangelists from the 20th century that kind of popularized this idea of being saved, those altar calls when people would come forward and they would place their hands on someone and they would be saved. And I kind of think I would have loved doing that. Um, and so, but we are Episcopalian after all, we don't really do that kind of thing. And so this idea of being saved is something that we kind of, we, like we're okay with that, but it's not exactly in the comfort zone of where we are. And it reminds me of an old mentor, a colleague, a priest that I knew years and years ago who told the story of once picking up his teenage daughter from summer camp. And this was one of those summer camps where it was lots of praise music, lots of altar calls, lots of things around the fireplace where you're tired. And so you give your life to Jesus and it's, you know, kind of all that good saving stuff. And as he's driving his daughter back, she tells him about being around the fire pit one night and the songs were being sung and the person giving the sermon was preaching and she walked up and she knelt down and she professed faith and she gave her life over to Jesus. And he's driving the car, you know, he's an Episcopal priest. And he's like, oh crap. Like, you know, what, um, what do I say? I can't say like, that's not okay, but I can also, that's not like kind of what we do and, you know, that sort of stuff. And so he asked an awkward question that was very obviously about that story of being saved. And she just said, oh, daddy, I give my life to Jesus every summer. And so I thought, I love that. That's such an Episcopal way of talking about being saved. I say all of that because today's gospel lesson is just about the most profound profession of faith in Christ that we have in the entire Bible. This moment is incredibly powerful. Jesus is there and he's caused a lot of stir and people are attending to him and talking about him. And so he says to his followers, who do people say that the son of man is? And his followers say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus looks at them and says, who do you say that I am? And to that, Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus did not say, congratulations, you said the right words, you are saved, boom. Or you are going to heaven, check. That's not how he responded. Jesus instead said, blessed are you, Simon, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. This is the greatest, clearest confession or profession of faith in Jesus we have in Scripture to Jesus himself. And Jesus' response to that profession is, build my church. Now in the first century, Building the church was its own kind of monumental task. 
Those first followers of Jesus were trying to figure out what they were supposed to do together to genuinely follow Jesus. And they started prayer communities and house churches and bigger churches. And the challenge that they faced in the first century was the macro institution, whether that was Rome or others, that came down against the formation of these Christian churches. But they wanted to be together. They wanted to follow Jesus together. And so they persevered. And they persevered to the point at which they stopped with all of that macro persecution and they were able to build their churches in earnest. In the 21st century, for all of us, the challenge is no longer from some macro institutional empire that is trying to put us down. The challenge for us is the culture in which we live. The challenge for all of us is the water we swim in out there in the world. It's the culture we breathe in and out every day. It's trying to make us focus on ourselves alone. Trying to make us focus on our interests alone or our successes or our happiness alone. A new book came out just this week, and I know I'm not the kind of person who like quotes books, but I do find the idea of this book fascinating. This book is about the way that church attendance and church communities has shifted over the last decades or century. Now, we know that the statistics show people are going to church less. They're going to church less often. They find church to be just a convenience. They can fit into their schedule whenever it works. And as that happens, people are beginning to ask the question, what is causing people to leave church? Now, I think for us, we might immediately think that lots of big, specific ideas like think abuse scandals or financial improprieties and that sort of stuff are drawing people away from church. But what this book finds after a massive survey of American adults is a bit different. A review of this book suggests, and I quote, that the defining problem driving out most people who leave church is just how American life works in the 21st century. Contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality or care or common life. Instead, contemporary America is designed to, listen to this, maximize individual accomplishment as defined by professional and financial success. And such a system leaves precious little time or energy for forms of community that do not contribute to one's own professional life or, and here's a real indictment, as one ages the professional prospects of one's children. Workism, as they call like the busyness that we all live in, workism reigns in America and because of workism, community in America, religious community included, is part of a math problem that just doesn't add up. Ouch. My guess is that all of us kind of hear something true in that statement. We know what it's like to live out in the world and be pressured to succeed. We know what it's like to be pressured to focus on what interests us alone. I mean, put in other words, we become more concerned with ourselves and our success than we are about each other. Now, we might not say that, but when it comes to the way we move our feet, where we put our bodies, how we spend our time, I think this is mostly true. 
We spend so much time thinking of ourselves and doing things for ourselves that we've forgotten just to be together, to do things for one another. Perhaps the greatest challenge for each of us is to remember that we are made, we are created for one another. We are made, created to actually be with each other. We're made to laugh with each other and to cry with each other, to work alongside each other, to pray with one another, to learn next to one another, to challenge one another, to grow together. This fills our souls because God made us that way. We are here this morning in church because we have some idea that God is real. Some of us are super committed. Some of us sitting in here might just have this feeling inside that something to do with this stuff that we do is real. And we have enough interest to grow closer to God that we show up together at a moment like this. That seed of faithfulness is how we respond to Jesus and build this church. That seed of faithfulness is how we build our future together right here. The world out there, the world out there, that culture we live in, is not going to help us be the people God made us to be, the people God created us to be. But here, here in this place, here with all of our amazing imperfections, we can actually get the sense of God's startling beauty between each other. Here in this group, this group of godly people, we find the faith that has built the church for centuries and centuries that we have inherited, and we find the faith and the courage and the vision to continue to build this church into the future. We are made for that kind of faithful life. We are made to follow Jesus. And when Jesus calls each of us and we commit ourselves to being those followers of Christ, remember that when we profess that faith, Jesus is still saying to us, build my church. I hope we have that kind of courage. Amen.